Good morning, Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast listeners. This is Pastor George. I'm so glad that you've tuned in to us. I'm down in the church office just praying and prepping and getting ready for for my day. And I can hear the the worship team upstairs practicing their set. It's so awesome. It's so wonderful just to hear people uh, worshiping. God is so good to us, even when we're down, even when, um, you know, whatever your situation is, somebody else has got it a whole lot worse. God is good to us. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Chapter 16 of the book of John which we've entitled this series, In the Beginning, because that's where John started his story. He said, in the beginning. God bless you. I hope you enjoy. Come out and see us soon. So we are in John chapter 16. Did you listen to the podcast last week, Manny? Uh, Don't you lie. All right, all right. That I, you know, you're not going to know where you're at today. I told you, but that's all right. They're still there, and there's they're archived, so you can go back and listen to any of these messages that you want. We're in chapter 16. This this sermon series is entitled "In the Beginning," and the reason we call it that is because that's how John starts out the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and that he was talking about Jesus. So that's why we entitled it. So we're taking it chapter by chapter. I didn't mean it to be a verse by verse expository, but it is. That's what the Holy Spirit wanted. We've been going verse by verse, and we've been making a chapter a week, and we're in 16. Now, what you do have to understand, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is all one conversation. It's all one conversation. It happened all in the same evening. The conversation continues from last week, and I'm hoping to keep your mindset in that same place, in that personal conversation from Jesus to you and to me. He's talking now. He's not talking to the public. He's talking to just his disciples. He's about to be arrested and and taken to the cross, and he knows it. The disciples know that there's something going on, but they don't know what. They, they don't know the, the length of it. They don't understand fully what's happening. They're walking and talking and sometimes sitting along the way. I honestly thought this whole conversation all the way through 17 happened in the upper room. But we seen back in uh, 14, he said, and let's be on our way. Let's go. And they left. So now I believe they're walking and they're heading to Kidron, to the brook Kidron to cross over to Gethsemane, the garden. This is where they're headed to. So let me just start off real quick with John 16, verses 1 and 2. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Don't you think this is important that we get this and we hear this and we understand it clearly so that we don't stumble? Then he says in verse 2, and he's talking directly to his disciples, they will, be, they will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming 
when whoever kills you will think he offers God a service. You think that could ever happen today? Oh, yes, it could. Yes, it could. But before we move on, let's jump into the pop quiz. You guys ready for the pop quiz? I'm going to see how you do. Manny, you've already failed because you didn't listen. Okay. Pop quiz number one says, yep, she's there, John uh, 15, 7. If you blank in me and my words, oh, thank you, abide in you. It's abide. Last week, that was the theme word, abide, abide, abide. If you understand these things, you won't stumble because why? You abide in him. It's so it's so prevalent for today that we need to abide. We need to, do you understand even what I'm saying? You look like you all got a blank look. You got to abide. It's being in the word. It's listening to the word. It's praying. It's singing. It's abiding in his presence every day of our lives. Learning how to be in that place where we abide. It's so, so utterly important. So let me get you a little harder one. Second question, John 15, 25. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. I gave you the first one. They hated me without a cause. Thank you very much. They hated him without a cause. And, and that's, that was prophesied. And because they hated him, guess what? The world's going to hate you too. Let's, let's pull no bones about it. You thought this was going to be just a cushy ride to heaven. We're in for a hard work ahead of us. And our job is to take as many people to heaven along with us as we can. But nowhere does it tell us that it's going to be an easy ride. If you're in it for the easy ride, you're in the wrong place. Because it's not going to be easy. But all the benefits are so great. Amen? Amen. So let's start with John 16, verse 2. I'll, I'll go over verse 2. He says, They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Verse 3, And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. Now remember, he's talking to his disciples. They're about to get to the brook. The, the entire chapter 17 is Jesus praying for not only himself, but for us. And after that, they're in the garden. So I, I'm trying to keep you in that place to understand how personal these statements are. He says in verse 4, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may me re remember that I told them, that I told you of them. It's so important that we hear this. So when we realize that the Holy Spirit is working in and around our lives, we know why. Because we heard these statements. He says, he goes on in verse 4, he says, And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Plus, I think it would have been just kind of freaked them out if he told them everything that was going to happen back at the beginning. He couldn't tell them everything. 
And how many, I'm sure there are many things that you could say, if I had known how this would turn out, I wouldn't have made that decision. Anybody with me? How, if I had only known, if I'd only known, oh, this is why Jesus didn't particularly want them to know at the beginning of how this thing was going to work out. Can you imagine taking along 12 disciples? Oh, by the way, they're going to crucify me and they're going to hate you. And guess what? They're going to martyr you too. Oh, I think I probably would have walked the other way. He couldn't tell them everything. I mean, imagine. He said, I am the truth, the life, and the way. Instead of, hey, they're going to kick you out of the synagogues and kill you. No, he didn't tell them that. But now he has to tell them so that they remember the words that he speaks. Verse 5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? Verse 6. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Understand, Jesus is God, and he knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're feeling. Fear has gripped them. Have you ever been there? You ever been in that place where fear literally grips your heart? That's where these men are at. They, they, they're nearly speechless. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not, for, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Man, and we need the, the helper. Amen. Oh, man, do we ever thank you for that. Amen. Brings us to point number one. And I'll confess to you, this is the only point in the message. Period. We have a personal promise from God. The helper. Dwell on that for a minute. We have a personal promise from God. Tyler, you're not in this alone. You have a helper. And he is there and he's leading you and guiding you into all truth. Look at, I'm going to show you a scripture in Acts 1, 4 through 5. And being assembled together with them... He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Man, oh man, that's the promise that is ours. This personal promise is from God. The Holy Spirit, he is your friend. He has nothing to fear. Many people get freaked out because someone in the church said, oh, the Holy Ghost is moving. Well, don't be freaked out. And if you can't handle it, maybe you need to go to a different church. But don't be freaked out against God. Don't hold it against me. Don't, don't. Just, just go where you're not freaked out. The Holy Spirit is nothing to be afraid of. But the Helper is here to lead us, to advise us, to comfort us in troubled times. And teach. and teach us. Thank you. But guess what? He never takes control. But he is that still small voice that you can hear. And I'm telling you, don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid. It's only God speaking to you. You know, when we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, understand, he's part of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He is part of it. And he's not in heaven. He's here on earth. He's not going to be back in heaven until Jesus returns for his church and takes us all there. He's on earth with us. He is our helper. We'll talk about that more later. Let's look at John 15, 8 and 9. And when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict, convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they did not do not believe in me. Of righteousness, verse 10, because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Verse 11, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Maybe I like to say it better like this, to convince. You know, the only reason you're here today, I'm talking to everyone here, not just Manny. But the only reason you're here today is because the Holy Spirit convinced you this is where you need to be. This is where you need to be. It's something coming on the inside. And, and you've got to realize he's moving you. And he, once we learn that we can hear him and communicate with him, your lives are going to change. He is moving in and out of our lives. And most often we have no idea. It is his idea that you're here right now. Because it was. Listen to this scripture in John 3. John, you know, we all know John 3.16. Can y'all quote that one? For God so loved the world. Yeah, we all got that. And the world knows that scripture. Nobody quotes John 3, 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus came into this world so that you would believe in God. The Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin. He is that still small voice trying to lead you. You know that feeling that's telling you, you've had enough, it's time to take a cab home. It's the still small voice that says, George, are you really going to watch this on Netflix? Really? And I finally say, all right, Lord, no, I won't watch that and I'll change the channel. Well, I'll change the episode maybe or the show, whatever. He's there and he's talking to us. He is your friend. He is closer than a brother. But we have to practice listening and discerning the difference between your own thoughts and his voice. Do you realize that his voice sounds a lot like your own? You hear him in your head. You hear him in your heart. And you have to discern, is this just what I want? Or is this what God wants? There is a difference. You need to difference, discern the difference between your own thoughts and his voice. It takes practice. And I tell you from my own experience, it's the hard time of our lives that promotes the practice. I'm sorry, but the good times, we're reluctant, reluctant to even be concerned about the, what the Holy Spirit is doing or has to say. During the good times, we don't say, Holy Spirit, where are you leading me to today? We just don't, we forget. 
Things are good. Times are good. It's through the hard times that we need to realize he's teaching me to listen to him. That's why I'm going through what I'm going through. The good times, they're good. But it's the hard times that really you got to know. You get to know that he is your best friend. Let's look at John 16, 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, verse 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth and he will speak. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will tell you things to come. That is amazing. He knows the future and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All power, all wisdom. He declares it to you because you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Look at verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He said it twice in a row. He'll declare it to you. Again, remember how this conversation is taking place. These are the last hours of Jesus's life. There isn't anything more important in the Lord's mind than to explain and help them and us to understand the Holy Spirit. He was coming at that time. He's here today. And that all things, Jesus, are now living in them. All things, Jesus. All things that he could do, that he could say, that he was, is now living in them because of the Holy Spirit. And... You are the only Jesus people may see today. But now the conversation is going to get a little more confusing. Jesus said to him in verse 16, A little while you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me because I go to the Father. For me, it seems simple. But remember, we have the book. We know that he dies and three days later he rises up from the dead. And we know the whole story. Even though he has told them these things, just try to get your head around it if you were them. These are difficult. And so verse 17, then some of the disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says? I don't get it. A little, is this like peekaboo? What is he talking about here? He says, a little while you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. And because I go to the Father. There is so much wrote in commentaries, because I, I looked them up, about this little group of scriptures, this little bit of this conversation. There are more commentaries, I think, than anything else I've looked at. And the more I read them, the more confused I got. Many commentators seem to think a little while spoke by Jesus and repeated by his disciples. It was, it's there seven times. 
And the fact that seven times is kind of a supernatural message Jesus is trying to tell us through super code, I don't know. But let's look at what Jesus had to say about their conversation. I don't think it was difficult at all. Verse 18. They said, therefore, what is this that he says? A little while. We do not know what he's saying. Verse 19. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. And he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while? You will not see me, and again, in a little while, you will see me. Verse 20, most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Well, we know what he's talking about, amen? We know. They're going to crucify him, the most brutal death in human history. But he's going to rise again. There's no question in my mind what he's saying. They're going to weep and lament. He's referring to the crucifixion, but their sorrow will be turned into joy. He's talking about the resurrection. But he goes on in verse 21. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that human being has been born into the world. Amen. Verse 22, therefore, you have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, for your joy no one can take from you. Verse 23, and in that day you will ask me nothing, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, he said, you will ask me nothing. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Jesus is telling them the pathway to the audience with God. And answered prayer is more open, not more closed. He is giving them, you and me, the authority to use his name. That's what he was trying to tell them. You're going to pray in Jesus' name. That's, he, he's giving us the authority to use everything that he is. Look at verse 26. In that day you will ask in my name. You will ask in my name, Jesus. And I do not say to you, I shall pray the Father for you. They had not yet considered Jesus the great mediator between them and God. But this is one of those truths which shall be more fully revealed to them when the Holy Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes. Verse 27. For the Father himself loves you 
but you have loved me and have believed that I come forth from God. Well, here Jesus makes it clear that the son did not need to persuade an angry God to be gracious. Why? How many are you willing to admit when you read the Old Testament, you see that God got pretty angry? Pretty angry. He's not having to convince God to not be angry, to be gracious to these people. God doesn't have to get angry anymore. Why? The price was paid. The price was paid for the sin of the world, not just yours and mine, but of the world, the entire world. He paid the price. God isn't angry. Yes, the ones who don't accept him, they're not going to go to heaven. They're going to go to hell. I'm sorry. I want everyone to go to heaven. God wants everyone to go to heaven, but he knows that everyone is not going to choose him. But he provided a way. He does not have to persuade an angry God, but his work would provide a righteous basis for God's graciousness for you and me. It provides a way. But you have to understand that we have responsibility in this now too. We have the Holy Spirit. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit residing within you. And we need to learn to hear his voice. To understand he is leading us and guiding us and directing us. There are times in my own life where it had to be the most devastating times for me to hear God's voice, for me to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. It's so bizarre. I mean, why, why wouldn't I just expect him to be there? But through the time of tragedy, I did not. I thought he deserted me. It all started in, in 2013. My 18-year-old my grandson that I just married died from osteosarcoma cancer. And I was angry about that. Beautiful kid. Or had already lost a leg to the cancer and then it moved to his lungs. A bone cancer that moved to his lungs. He went through lung surgery and had half of one lung removed. And laying on this hospital bed, I go in as grandpa to see him and pray for him. And he said, Grandpa, please. I'm never going to go through this again. Would you please tell my mom, who's my daughter, they're never going to cut on me again. I'm done. Oh, son, you know what you're asking me? He says, Grandpa, I'm 18. I have rights. I said, son, you're right. You do. And I will respect your rights if you choose not to get any more treatment. But it's not going to stop me from praying for you. And your mom's going to be really mad at me. And she was for quite a while. And it was less than a year from then that he passed away. And so I was suffering with that in my own spirit, trying to deal with it. 
And then in 2014, my wife up and dies. Has a heart attack in her sleep. Didn't see it coming. Yeah, she had health issues, but we didn't see that coming. I'll never forget, I was, I was sitting on, a, on my bed in my bedroom, and I'm alone. I don't have anybody else in this house now because my mother lived with us. Oh, I forgot to tell you. While she was living with us, she fell down and broke her hip. Because I called her to see if she was okay. And she turned to get to the phone and fell down and broke her hip. If I hadn't called her, you know, is what you start thinking. So now I have my grandson who's gone, my wife is gone, and my, my mother is the only other person in the house. I was her caregiver. She falls down and breaks her hip, so she's in, in recovery. The Lord took her home in 2014 too. So I'm sitting there in my bedroom, and I'm disgusted with what's going on. You, you understand? I'm not, I'm, I'm not walking away from God. I'm just trying to figure it all out. God, where are you in all this? I just don't, simply just don't get it. And I'm talking out loud to a God who can hear me. And my little dog, Sweet Pea, a lot of you guys know, she's sitting there on the bed and she's looking at me like, who are you talking to? I can read her mind. I, it's true, I can. Who are you talking to? And I said, I'm talking to the Holy Spirit. Boy, didn't that sound weird? When I said that, it just felt weird. And I said, you know what? I, I don't get it, Holy Spirit. Jesus has a name. God has many names. And Holy Spirit just sounds weird. It just bugs me. And he says clearly and plainly to me, to an open heart that was ready to hear him, he said, what would you like to call me? I said, how about Charlie? He said back to me, I like that. I like that. And I know why you want to call me Charlie. I said, oh, you do? He goes, yeah, I loved him too. He knew exactly who I was in my heart, who I was thinking about. It was a precious old man who died quite a few years before. His name was Charlie. And I led Charlie to the Lord. And he was a precious friend. And he says, yeah, I love Charlie too. I can't wait till we get to see him again. I said, what do you mean? You don't get to see him? He goes, no, I'm not in heaven. I'm on earth. When you go and the Lord comes for his church, we'll all be there together. And I can't wait to see Charlie again. I said, so you don't mind calling me, me calling you Charlie? And he said, no. If you keep it reverent, you say my name, I'll be there. I said, Charlie, I don't understand what I'm going through. And he said, well, understand this. You're hearing me now. You weren't hearing me just a few weeks ago. But now you're communing with me. You're talking to me. There's good things happening. You just can't see it. You don't know what God sees and what's happening to us. Charlie became very personal to me that night. I'm not starting a new church doctrine. Don't go around naming the Holy Spirit. This is between me and God, okay? 
but it became personal. Now I truly have a personal friend that really is closer than a brother. I could talk to him anytime I want. And I say, Charlie, I just pray when the good times come that I still call out your name. And he said, I pray that too. I pray that to the Father. That when times are good. You see, not often when times are good do we call out to God. Say, Charlie, where are you? Things are great. But he wants to hear from us. He wants to talk. He wants to lead and guide you. So I try my hardest to, to always remember. To talk to him. Even in the good times. Right now, i got to be honest with you, Precious Church, I love you guys so much. My life has never been better than it's ever been at this moment in my life. This is the best. This is as close to heaven as I could possibly get. This Precious Church, my beautiful wife, things that are just good. And believe me, I do my very best to talk to Charlie every single day even in the good times, because we don't know what's coming. We don't know, and he is there for you. And you have to realize that you can talk to a God just like he is your friend. Well, what if I said bad words to him? Well, I think David did a few times. He got angry at God. God has big shoulders. You think he hasn't heard those words before? Tell him how you feel. Tell him what you think this situation's like. Because he knows. We have a Savior who has experienced all things, all things he has experienced for us. Thank you, brother. Yep. Don't want to take the whole thing. No. I did. There you go. He has experienced all things for us. So when I start talking about the Holy Spirit, it's very precious to me. I don't want you to be afraid. He has nothing to be afraid of. Well, what if I start babbling in tongues and nobody understands me? Well, then you're an idiot. Because you know what? You can control that. If God gives you this, the spiritual language to speak in tongues, that's between you and God. Unless he tells you to do it and somebody else prophesies. Well, we don't do that in Baptist churches. Well, okay. I'm not offended. Not at all. Because God speaks to each and every one of us. He's no respecter of persons. Well, he doesn't talk to me that way. Wait until you find your space yourself in that dark place. You will hear him. And you need to practice listening to him. What scripture am I on? John 16, 27. Have I read 16, 27? Yes. Go to 28. I have come forth from the Father, and you have came into the world. Let me read this right. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. He's trying, to, he's trying to talk plainly to them. I came from God, and I came into the world. 
through the womb of a woman, like just like you guys did. Just, I mean, exactly the way we all come in. I came into the world. God sent me. And now I'm going to leave the world and go back to the Father. Verse 29, his disciples said to him, See, you now are speaking plainly and using no figurative of speech. Verse 30, they said, Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came from the Father. And Jesus answered them, said, Do you now believe? <laughs> These poor guys. I mean, think about it. They, they, they were having a really rough time. And Jesus was using a lot of figurative language that was like, we, we can't figure it out. And now it's, it's just it's plain. Okay, we get it, Jesus. We get it. And verse 32, Jesus says to them, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. Verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, in the world, you will have tribulation. Did you hear that? We will have tribulation, troubles, divorces, the loss of jobs, children passing away. We don't want to think of that kind of stuff. Grandma going home to be with the Lord, unprepared, not ready for it to happen. So many things can happen. Tribulation will come. If it hasn't come to you, hang on. But be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. These are amazing statements. Jesus did not promise peace. He offered it. Did you see it? That he said that in me you may have peace. May have peace. He made the offer. He said you may have peace. People will follow Jesus all their lives and deny themselves this peace. We gain the peace Jesus offered by finding it in him. Jesus said that in me you may have peace. We won't find real peace anywhere else other than in Jesus and through the helper that he is about to send to these men. He said, be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus proclaimed the truth of his victory. This was an amazing statement from a man that is about to be arrested, forsaken, rejected, mocked, tortured, and executed. These, are come, these words are coming out of his mouth. That I have overcome the world. Judas, the religious authorities, Pilate, the crowd, the soldiers, even death and the grave could not overcome him. Instead, Jesus could truly say, I have overcome the world. If this was true then, it's even more true now. I don't care what you're going through. And I don't mean to say, like, I don't care. I care. I care. 
have some of my precious men that I counsel, they'll call me and they'll be crying and I'll cry with you because I care. But the truth is, he has already overcome the world. We're okay, even though it's really dark outside. Even though we can't see the way through. Because we're blind. We can't see it. All I see around me is death and destruction. And believe me, I have been there. I've tried to make that clear to you. I have been there. And he was there for me. Even when I was angry. Even when I said, God, you're the last person I want to talk to. He understood. He understood my broken heart. He didn't judge me. He says, you're going to come through this and I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you everything that you need in your life. And he has. He has. And he tests us. I just want to pass the test. Because we're all going through it. Different times, different reasons, different seasons. Right now I have three beautiful grandsons that I... I don't get to see. Believe me, if they were in California, I would go get them. But they're in Detroit. Two I've never seen personally. I've never held. The first, Jackson, I got to hold him and I dedicated him unto the Lord. And I believe in dedications. He belongs to God. Amen. I believe it. So at times I do get a little down, you know. We watch some Hallmark movie, so get me off of Netflix. And, and here this guy's playing with his three grandkids. And I get jealous. Because I'm a human being. And I go, what do you think? God, I'll raise those boys. Even this old crotchety guy, me, I'll raise them. Bring them to me. He just tells me it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Just trust me. Just trust me. Tony, would you come? We're real close. We're real close to Jesus being arrested. And I've been talking to the Lord about where, where do you want me to go from here? We're, you know, there's 22 chapters in John and we're almost there. We're closer to there than we were. <laughs> the Holy Spirit said to me, well, how about the book of Acts? I mean, why stop here? You're talking about the Holy Spirit here. Why not go and look in Acts when he really comes and see how the church really responded? And how we should respond. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pray about that. But I know right now you will get what you want. You'll get what you want out of me. Because I'm willing to preach whatever he puts on my heart. Whatever he puts out there. 
I know it's just a few minutes after 12, but would you all stand together, please?